Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. You know, today being Father's Day, and uh, make sure, ladies, that you, you, you know, bless and spoil him on, on this particular day. Uh, and make sure that you, wherever you are, honor your father if you're estranged or if you're far away from your father honor him anyway you may say well hang on you don't understand he was a raging alcoholic he was abusive or whatever pray for him one of the greatest ways you can honor him but don't carry don't carry bitterness don't don't carry resentment don't carry unforgiveness because it doesn't affect him it affects you Whatever you carry reproduces in your life. What it, you were not created by God to carry bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. Almost all sicknesses and infirmities that we carry or that we produce in our life come from things that we put in or hold in that we're not meant to. Release it. Release it. That's why forgiveness. So honor just, and one of the greatest ways you can honor, if they were, let's say they were a violent, raging alcoholic, Father, I release my dad. Father, he did the best he could. Bless my father today. Draw him close to you. Forgive him of his sins. Always bless. Amen? Amen. Well, today there's a number of options, a number of different ways that I could preach a Father's Day message. Uh, the title of my message today is Imprint of a Father. Imprint of a Father. Uh, you know, I was, I was preparing, and I even glanced at, at thoughts that I was writing down, and I was going to preach a message on the book of Esther, where Abimelech uh, goes down to Moab, and Abimelech means father king. And how every father is, is called to operate as a king and a priest. And uh, he's, a, he's a, a father as a priest in the home. He's the one that brings atonement. He's also a protector. He's also a provider. And I thought of going down that way, but I really felt the Holy Spirit say, now I want you to go down a different direction. So come with me today, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And if you think, I know Matthew 3:16, for God so loved the world, that's John 3:16. Very close. Very close. Matthew 3.16 says, When Jesus, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, how many people know Jesus had just finished like an entire sermon series and all these people had gotten saved? Oh, actually, hang on. No, he hadn't, he hadn't started preaching yet. How many people know that Jesus just had a big miracle? Certain, like all these people got healed and he'd raised the... Oh, actually, hang on. He hadn't done, this is before Jesus did anything. Jesus had done nothing. The world that you and I live in conditions you and I to, to live on... Uh, performance-based acceptance. It's, it's, it's performance-based approval. It's performance-based affirmation. So, so if I do well, I'll get an A. If I don't do well, I get an F. God doesn't operate like that. Jesus had not done anything 
yet. Hadn't preached a sermon, hadn't healed a sick, had not done anything. But the Father, the Father makes sure that Jesus begins his ministry with a secure foundation, knowing that he is love, not for what he does, but for who he is. It might not sound like anything to you, but uh, Leanne and I really, really felt our baptism, Casey, was uh, a baptism in a ministry where the, the senior pastor was still very broken. He, 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 need, he wanted a church of a thousand because he felt if we could grow to a thousand, then he, he would be somebody and he would be respected. And so there was so much ego and insecurity that drove and whoosh, whoosh. And, and we, we destroyed marriages. We destroyed all on the quest, this noble quest of seeking first the kingdom of building his. And it was, it was, it was brutal because he was striving so that one day he would hear, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased. But he was using a worldly method of performance, of accomplishments, of achievements, of accoutrements to try to get that. One of the biggest things that, that we learned here, and you know, Dr. Matt alluded to it, when I met Dr. Matt, I saw through all the ups and downs and the wins and the losses and the functions and the dysfunctions, I saw a heart of somebody that had a touch of God, that had a heart for God. I saw a, a person who loves life, who loves the real, who loves the authentic. I saw someone who was fun to be around, but I saw a softness and a sweetness at the same time saw a strength. I thought, my God, I don't know if I've met a more extraordinary human. And so he, I would say to him, oh, one day you're going to be a pastor. He's like, oh, no, no, I'm just, I'm just in the marketplace. You know what? I'll just make money. And, I'll, and I'm saying, no, no, one day you're going to be a pastor. I can see it in you. You know, I watch him. First time I lay on his, on his, uh, on his adjustment table. He's like, dude, you grow in a forest up there? And I'm like, uh, up, up, up where? Like Northern California? I've never been there. No, up your nose. I'm like, what? He goes, dude, get yourself a nose trimmer. And true story, the next, the next, no, the next, that was on a Monday. I, I came back on the Wednesday because I had to get three adjustments a week because I wasn't holding my adjustments. He goes, here, this is a gift for you. Katrina's got a gift at the front desk. And she bought me a nose trimmer. And I tell you the best thing, I no longer had bruises on my forehead because I would, you know, step on my, and, you know, trip on it. But now, you know, it's good now. It's good now. I go, man, I can, I can breathe through this. <laughs> There were all these, little, all these little animals that were living in there that I had to move out. Yeah, you know, I chopped down their home. It was horrible. Oh. It's, it's so crazy. Jesus teaches the, the, the disciples when, when you pray, say, Our Father, Our Father. I want you to know that 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 God is a father. God, Jesus introduces God as father. It is so important. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew Aleph Beit, and the first two, uh, the first two letters are the Aleph and the Beit, the A and the B, and the first two letters of the 22 spell father. So even the, even, even the, the Hebrew alphabet is introduced with father. And the, the Aleph is where we get the word Alpha. Alpha means strength. In fact, the, 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 the pictogram of the Aleph is the ox. Is the ox. It's strength. It, 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 
you can put it into a field and it'll plow the field, put a yoke on it, and it'll rip out all the rocks and prepare it so that it may have been an unusable field, but now it'll produce for you the ox. And the bait is, is the house or the tent. And the strength of the house is the father. There's such a, an attack on fathers because the devil knows if he can take the strength from the house, he can plunder the house. Jesus said when a, a strong man, fully armed, guards his house, his goods are at peace. But if one stronger than he comes, he must first bind that strong man, take away the armor in which he trusts, and then he is able to plunder his house. 91% of prison inmates come from father absent households 97 percent of women that are caught up in prostitution or in the adult film industry come from father dysfunctional father absent father abusive homes the devil knows if he can take the aleph out of the bait if he can dismantle the strength in the house and let me just tell you something the world has been piping off how it's against toxic masculinity i'm what I love about Pastor Dr. Matt is he has terrific masculinity. What I love about our Emerge Men's Ministry is at Emerge Men's Ministry, we have terrific masculinity. Tim Smith, terrific masculinity. Kevin Deddy, terrific masculinity. Lance Williams, terrific masculinity. We have, we have rows of terrific masculinity. And so we, wanna, we want you to understand that in this house is going to be a little bit different to the world, but thank God, because the world is jack up. The world is all on performance basis. But I want you today to understand that there's a, an imprint that your heavenly father wants to leave on you. Uh, when, when I grew up, my, my, father, my father ran away from home at 14. He was, he was, his father uh, had turned to alcohol when his wife died, when my father was just five, his father lost his bride. So he lost his mama, but his father lost his bride, and his father turned to alcohol. He remarried, but never, never shook the, 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 the comfort that alcohol brought. Alcohol has a power to numb your problems. It has, a, it has an ability to numb the pain. It, it will inebriate your senses so that you don't feel the pain. You may even feel a euphoria but it doesn't fix anything. It doesn't fix anything. It doesn't solve anything. It doesn't resolve anything. But that's where he went. Instead of becoming better, he became bitter and became abusive. And so my father at 14 had had enough, so he decided he was gonna run away from home. He ran away from his problems. Can I tell you? Terrific masculinity doesn't run from its problems. It faces its problems. It faces its problems. But my father spent his whole life running from. And then when, when I got saved, I, I got saved. And, and if you would have said to me, one day you're going to be a father. One day you're, you're going to preach to men. One day you're going to have an emerge men's ministry where you're going to teach what terrific masculinity looks like. I would have said, man, I think you've got the wrong person. Because if there's one thing I feel completely void, if I feel if, if there's a deficit anywhere in my life, it's that of a father. I've never been father. My father didn't have a father. He didn't have a healthy father role model to know how to father me. And just as he ran away 
from his father at 14. He disconnected from me at 14. So in my teenage years, when I needed him the most, he was completely absent, emotionally and physically disconnected from me. In fact, growing up, the pain and the abuse that he received, he put onto myself and my little brother. No, no, no. I can preach. I can throw out the net. I can evangelize. I can even do youth ministry because I know how to be a clown and then wrap it up with a bow and an, an appeal for Jesus. But, but to be a man, to be a father, to be a leader of men's ministry, I am deficient in this area. So then God began to say to me, well, if you will do what I ask, and I only ask one thing, I only ask you to be strong and courageous. If you'll be strong and courageous and not run from Goliath, but actually face your Goliath. The Bible says all Israel fled, but a, a young boy, a shepherd boy, walked into a valley and faced his Goliath because he faced his opponent, because he faced his opposition, because he faced Goliath. Goliath did represent the past. They should have wiped out the Philistines, but they didn't. They, they decided to coexist with their dis dysfunctions. And so here is Goliath piping off. But I need you to understand that whatever you overcome, whatever you overcome, you actually receive the impartation of its strength. The, 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 the First Samuel 17 tells us about a giant standing in a valley. The giant was Goliath. The giant was Goliath. The weight of his spear. The spear looked like a, a weaver's beam. The shaft of the helmet on his head, the bronze, and it begins to go through 500. It goes through all of this. But the truth is, a shepherd boy walked into that valley, faced the past, faced Goliath, faced what was trying to take him out, faced what was trying to put a, a limit and a ceiling over him, and that day, a shepherd boy didn't walk out of that valley. A king arose out of that valley. He became the king of Israel. A warrior arose. They made him a captain of 10,000. He was just a teenager, and he was a captain of 10,000. The women began to sing songs. Saul has slain his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands. He walked in because he was willing to face. And God said, if you will be willing to face the pain, if you will be feeling willing to face the dysfunctions and the the brokenness, if you'll be courageous enough to tell your father that you forgive him, if you'll be f courageous enough to tell him that you love him, if you'll be courageous enough to honor him, if you'll be courageous, I will begin to fill in the deficits. I want you to know, men, that if you didn't have a great father uh, growing up, you're in the right house, because in this house, we want you to introduce you to your heavenly father, and your heavenly father, if you'll be strong and courageous, and let me tell you, this lion chaser on the front row, will encourage you and he'll provoke you and he'll push you and he won't let you settle in your excuses. He'll cause you to rise up and be strong and courageous and overcome your Goliath. And whatever you overcome, you take on its strength. Goliath walked in to that battle, but he, David left with Goliath's head. And that's what's going to happen to you in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. You're going to take the head off your enemy. So uh, I don't have time to go, go through it all, but in, in Daniel chapter 1, and, and I didn't get to read it in, in the, the last service, but in Daniel chapter 1, something very interesting happens, and maybe just yeah, throw it up. What, what happens in Daniel chapter 1 is, and the reason I want to include this really quickly is because it encapsulates the spirit of this world, the spirit of this world. Uh, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, 
Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, besieged it. Besieged it means to cut off its supply, to, you know, take out 97 food plantation places, to, to all of a sudden cattle just die in a heat wave. Wow, I've never seen cattle die in a heat wave before. Have a whole lot of sheep. Wow, sheep also died in a heat Besieged it, cut off the supply, raised the price of gas and food. and Anyway, and so he comes in to receive it, to besiege it. And the Bible says that, 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 he, that he takes, he doesn't just plunder the house of God of its, its resources, its gold and its silver, but it says that they, they, they take the young men. They, they want to steal the emerging generation. And they take them down to Babylon. And the Bible says that, you know, Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, you can have a wonderful title, <laughs> but Ashpenaz the master of his eunuchs. I heard you're a eunuch. Oh. Let me bring a correction. I'm the master. I'm the master of those who can't reproduce. That's who I am. I'm just not someone who can't reproduce. I'm the master. They brought out some of the nobles, some of the king's descendants, Young, young men, able to serve without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. And they wanted to teach them the language and the literature of the Chaldeans so that they might serve before the king. But then have a look what the king does. He knows that he can't fulfill this. Have a look at the next verse. The next verse says that he begins to change their identities. And let me see if I can find it. Here we go. It says, so... Uh, verse 6, from among them, those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Why, why, why would he do that? Because he knew that he had to, whoever holds your identity controls your destiny. Whoever holds your, the first thing that human traffickers do is they take passports, driver's licenses, IDs. They take any form of identification, identity, because they know whoever holds your identity can control your destiny. And so Nebuchadnezzar knows that if, if Daniel, God is my judge, if Azariah, God is, is the one who watches over me. He, he knows that if they rehearse their identity in God, he has to change their identity to align up with the world. We heard this week that we no longer have 67 genders. We now have 81. Isn't it amazing? For 6,000 years, we've had two genders, and now all of a sudden, they're finding genders under rocks and under bushes, and uh, someone opened up the trunk of a car. That hadn't oh, my gosh, there's another. Look, there's another one in there. So now we've got a... The, 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 the war that is happening on this generation is an identity war. The reason that this generation is experiencing an identity war is because... Because the devil knows whoever controls your identity controls your destiny. And he wants, to, he wants to control a destiny. But come on, somebody tell me that Awakened Church is here to say something about it. We're not going to say nothing. We're not, oh, that's controversial. Don't go there, Pastor. No, no, we got something to say about it. We got something to say to the devil.
devil, your confusion and your lies and your perversion and your inversion of identity around people, well, they, they, they identify as. Their preferred pronouns are. Well, let me just tell you, my preferred pronouns are your highness and majesty. One of my favorite movies is The Lion King. The, the Lion King, I don't know where they come up with these scripts. I mean, it's, it's, it's an, like if you think of like the, the plot, how do they come up with plots like that? I mean, it's so innovative and creative. Basically, the, the plot of The Lion King is there's a father and his only son who rule over a kingdom, and there's somebody related who wants to take the kingdom, but to take the kingdom, he's got to get rid of the father and his only son. I've read that somewhere before. I, it, I'm trying to, ah, it'll come to me, it'll come to me. So it kind of opens with Simba. Everything that light touches is our kingdom. Oh, what about that shadowy place? You must never go there, Simba, that's beyond our borders. One day the sun will set on my time and it'll rise on yours. You mean I get to rule over all this? Simba, there's more to just ruling. And then he goes into the circle of life and it leads us on. Circle of life. But there's a guy called Scar who's not too happy about this. And there's, there's very, very quickly that the movie introduces the, the conspiracy where Scar, drop him. Impeccable timing, your majesty. <laughs> We didn't see you at the presentation of Simba today. Oh, that was today, must have slipped my mind. Well, as slippery as your mind was, you should have been first in line. I was first in line till that little hairball arrived. That hairball is my son and your future king. Oh, I shall practice my curtsy. Don't you turn your back on me, Scar. Temper, temper. Perhaps you shouldn't turn your back on me. Rawr, is that a challenge? And so, so anyway, 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 I gotta move. So, 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 Scar makes a pact with the hyenas and he creates this plot. And he says, right, on November 3rd, 2020, sorry, he creates this plot, he creates this plot, I don't know, I don't know the date, it might be, I don't know the date, I don't know the date. Anyway, so the date is, the date is, he's going to lure Simba down into, into the canyon, and then he's going to have the hyenas create the stampede. And the stampede's going to come down, and then he's going to run as though he's an innocent party and knows nothing about it. Mufasa, the herd. The herd stampeding, Simba's down, Simba. And so he knows the father's gonna wanna rescue his only son. So, the, so Mufasa, instead of him and Simba perishing, Mufasa rescues Simba, gets Simba to safety, and then he's climbing up the cliff and he gets almost to the top. And then here comes Scar, who can't let him win. And he's like, brother, help me. Long live the king. And he puts his claws in the paws of Mufasa, dislodges his grip and flings him to the bottom of the canyon, murdered stamp by the stampede. When all the dust and all the debris settle, little Simba looks around and he looks and he sees his father's body lying there. 
And he runs over, Dad? Dad, wake up. Wake up, lifts up a paw, opens an eye and just shuts. And then realizes his dad's dead, but before he has a chance to even process, Scar comes. Oh, Simba, what have you done? Uncle Scar, I didn't mean for this to happen. I didn't mean for any of this to happen. Oh, Simba, nobody means for these things to happen. <laughs> but the king is dead, and it is all your fault. I want you to know that the devil loves to put shame. He is the architect of condemnation, guilt, and shame because nothing will bury a man. Nothing will bury a father. Nothing will bury a human more deeply, more permanently, and more convincingly than shame. The shame of a secret. The shame of a fail. The shame of something I did that I feel like I can't tell anybody about. And now he's putting shame on Simba and he says the death of your father it's all your fault and little Simba's like Uncle Scar what do I do he's like Simba run run far away and never return so little Simba does what Uncle Scar tells him you know we have a whole generation because of sin shame and guilt they've run from God because the lie of the devil says, you, how dare you think you can approach God? Look at you. You're a disappointment. You are so, you are so, and so they run from God. They don't run too. But it's even worse because Scar is said to the hyenas, murder him on the way. But he evades them because of Timon and Pumbaa. Thank God for little Pumbaa who comes around and you know, got his little tusks and she's trying to eat, right? And comes out and, you know, and, and so anyway, so he's there with, with Timon and Pumbaa and he's living in a land called Akuna Matata it means no worries for the rest of your days it's our problem free so you know it and so here, here's the problem here's the problem we have an entire generation that have left God and if you ask them what their goal is it's Akuna Matata they want to live in a land where there's no worries. They just want to be in Cabo. They just want, they want spring break all year. They want to live in Akuna Matata. Hey, oh, it's too difficult in California. and It's, it's, too, it's, it's too hard here. And, and so we're going to move to an easier state. We're going to move to a red state. We're going to move to a freedom state. Can I tell you, you weren't created to live in Akuna Matata. You were created to take down your Goliath. Because whatever giant you face, whatever enemy you take down, Whatever despot you conquer, its power flows to you. The spoil of victory is whatever you take down, you now have authority over. Whatever giant you take down, that's why it was the head. The head is authority. David walked out with the head. David says, your authority, your pen. The Bible says from that time onwards, when David was king, they had victory over the Philistines. Why? Because David defeated their champion. Because he took the strong man down, he had authority over the entire nation all the days of his life. Don't run from California. Don't run from the battles. Don't run from your giant. Don't run from your Goliath. Face them. 
But David, sorry but David, but Simba is in Akuna Matata land. And you'll always know when you live in Akuna Matata land by what you eat, by what you feed on. Because in Akuna Matata land, he's like, what's this? Berries and grubs. Ew. But he tries to, hey, that's not too bad. He's a lion's cub. He should be eating meat, but he's eating berries and grubs. Because in a land of no worries, what you feed on will neither nourish nor will it satisfy. But thank God, one day, Pinji again. Narla, Simba. Oh my God, we thought you were dead. Yo, you got to come back. You, you're not going to believe what's happened to the pride land. You, you, you're not going to believe it. It's like, it's, it's, it's just, de- it's devastated. It's, it's a wilderness. It used to be a garden. It's a, it's a wilderness. Gas prices are... No, no, I'm serious. Gas prices are so bad. They got a little picture of Scar pointing, saying, I did that. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday he was riding his bike and he fell off his bike. It's horrible. <laughs> Simba says, I, 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 I can't go back. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't go back. But, 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 but why? You're the rightful heir. If you're the one that needs to do something. You're, you're the rightful heir. We've got an illegitimate authority. He's like, you, you, don't, under, you don't understand my past. I, I, you, don't, you don't understand what I'm carrying. You don't understand. But thank God, in the movie, they have a little baboon. What's the baboon's name? Rafiki. Rafiki in Swahili means friend. Did you know that? means friend. Rafiki is not just the priest where he's like, oh, Mufasa. <laughs> and then when he finds little, little Simba, and Simba's piping off saying, I can't go back. You don't understand. My, my past is too great. It's, you know, I be- and so Rafiki gets his stick and goes, why did you do that? What does he matter? He's in the past. I'm telling you, what this alpha on the front row will do, he will make sure that if you go to men's prayer on a Tuesday morning, if you get in a connect group, you're going to find a friend who loves you enough to go, what you do that for? He doesn't matter. He's in it. Every single person needs a friend who loves us enough to knock some sense into us when we need some sense to challenge us to say, hey, get out of your rut. Stop making excuses. Stop letting your past, stop letting your failures, stop letting your mistakes bury you. You've got a destiny. You've got a, a kingdom to conquer. You've got a devil that needs driving out. You've got some evil forces that need pulling down and breaking down. That's what a real friend does. So Rafiki says to him, Mufasa, he's not there. No, he live. Come, I'll show you. And Simba's like, what? And so he starts, come this way. And so he's running under tree branches and over little brooks and, you know, come this way, this way. And so he's running and then finally goes, look, there he is, there he is. And Simba kind of, puffing comes and looks and there's this beautiful river flowing. And as he looks, because he went into Akuna Matata as a little cub. But now maturity 
His mane has grown. And for a second, just for a split second, when he looks at the river, Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. Those who bear my image exercise dominion. I want you to notice the order. Those who have lost my image, those who have forgotten my image, those who are separated from my image don't operate in the dominion and the authority, but those who discover their image, those who discover their identity operate in my, and as he looks in there, he thinks it's his papa, he thinks it's Mufasa, but then a leaf comes by and the water shimmers and he realizes, oh, it's just a reflection. Oh. I thought it was, it's just a reflection. But then the clouds begin to swirl. And his heavenly father speaks to him and says, Simba, Simba, you are my son, but you've forgotten who you are. You are my son. Remember, remember who you are. You are my son. At that, the gravitas hits him and he realizes he's a son of the Most High. He's an heir of the kingdom and there's a despot destroying the land. Courage rises in him because destiny is the key that unlocks Sorry, destiny is the, is the key that is unlocked through the discover of identity. Now that he realizes his identity, he realizes his destiny. His papa told him, one day the sun will set and the sun will rise on. He realizes, I've got to go and face my past. I've got to face my foe. I've got to face my fears. I've got to face my uncle. I've got to face this thing. And he goes and brings a whopping to scar and restores law order, peace, justice, tranquility to the pride land. Can I just tell you, the devil may think he's winning. The devil may look like he's winning right now by creating confusion and perversion, trying to hide the identity. What's going to happen when there are churches like Awaken that's, that will not step back, will not shrink back, or will not shut up, but will continue to preach the gospel, telling young men and young women, you are created in the image and the likeness of an almighty God. You bear inside of you the Imago Day. The reason we say that every life matters, the reason we stand against abortion is because every one of those babies bears the image and the likeness of their heaven. They have intrinsic value. Their value isn't based on what they've done. Their value isn't based on their status or the house they're born in or, or which side of the city or which, which skin color or melatonin they have. Every single person that is born carries the Imago day. What's going to happen to a generation when they begin to look into the river, river of living water and see their reflection, the reflection of their heavenly father? What's going to happen when a generation hears, you are my son, you are my daughter, that we're going to have a generation that's going to rise up. It's going to drive out everything that's wicked 
everything that is ungodly, everything that is unclean, every despot, every dictator, every tyrannical. It's going to drive them. The devil is setting himself up for another beating. Can somebody say amen? Because the church is rising in this hour. Come on, give God a praise. The reason I'm smiling is because I promised Pastor Alex that I would get through all three points. I don't even think I put the first point up there, which is the imprint of identity. I didn't even get through the points again. But come on, why do we stand to our feet? We're out of time. I mean, I feel the anointing. I feel the presence of God. But let me just ask you this question. If you're here today and you're away from God, if you're here today, the world 247365. If you were to skip forward two chapters in Daniel and go to Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar sets up an image. He, he sets up an image and says, I want you to bow, I want you to bow your knee to this image. And it's 66 cubits high and six cubits wide, 666. And it's made of solid gold. The finest resources of the earth have funded this image. And it'll come to pass, a herald will cry aloud when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music. In other words, it'll come at you on any radio station that you tune into. Whether you like hip hop, whether you like rap, whether you like R&B, whether you like classical, whether you like country, whatever you like, it'll all have the same message. It'll all be telling you to bow doesn't matter which news station, CNN, MSNBC, doesn't matter which news station, it's all going to be telling you the same thing, to bow. He dominates the airwaves. The Bible says he's the prince of the power of the air. But when you come into this house, there's a disruption. I know that we're on the right path because one of the things that we get attacked for is that we're disruptors. We're the spreaders of disinformation, which I honestly don't mind, Ernie, because if you're going to give bold-faced lie after bold-faced lie, I don't want to be in agreement with you. In fact, I'd be worried if, if CNN were commending us. I'd be like, shoot, what have I done wrong? I've lost my way. Disinformation is what liars call people that are truth tellers. I'm happy to be in that camp. Glad to be in that camp. You know why? Because Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But it all begins with aligning with your heavenly father. If today you don't realize that you're a child, a son or daughter of the most high God, maybe you're away from God, maybe it's sin, maybe it's shame, maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's something that you've done. Do you know there's a saying, and it's, it's a true saying, Joe, that we're only as sick as our secrets. We're only as sick as our secrets. For years, when I first became a Christian, the devil would say to me, oh, you can't let anybody know that you struggle with. Oh, whatever you do, if you want to be a pastor, don't let people know that you struggle in this area and that area and that you slipped up here and you tripped up there. Hide it. Hide it. If you said, hey man, 
I got some weeds that I really don't want to grow. And someone says to you, hey, you know the best thing you can do with those weeds? Bury them. That'll fix it. Find some, find some rich, dark soil and bury them. That'll make them go away. Do you know how many men carry guilt, shame, sin they feel they can't share? But you'll listen to the devil's counsel, just bury it. Find a dark place and bury it. That'll fix it. And you wonder why it keeps growing, why it keeps dominating, why it keeps overwhelming you. No, 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 the Bible says, Bring it into the light. See, the devil knows that we're only as sick as our secrets. Before we had digital cameras, and you're a photographer, we used to use what? Film. We used to use film. But if you if you want if you take a whole take a whole lot of photos on film, where, where did you go to to develop them? Into a you have to take those things into a dark room to get them to develop. Satan's got all kinds of, I know what you did last summer. I know what you struggle with. I know what you're looking at late at night. He's got it all on film. See, then he says to you, oh, oh, yeah, make sure you don't tell anyone, but make sure you take this to a dark room. What does it do in a dark room? It develops. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, no, 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 what are you doing? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Bring it into the light. But pe people will see it. Oh, no, they won't. When you bring it into a light, the light exposes it. The light destroys it. You can't, I can't even tell what I'm looking at there. You bring it to the light. God is the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He didn't come to point out your sin. He came to break the power of your sin. He came to disintegrate your sin. Every chain of shame, of guilt, of condemnation, every hang up and every hold up, Jesus destroyed because he's the light of the world. If your life's not right with Jesus today, come down and get your life right. If you're away from God, come back to God. If you need forgiveness, if you need prayer, don't walk out the same way. We're going to have the ministry team come forward. I want you to come down. We've got Bibles. We've got following Jesus books. We want to give you. But just every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're saying, hey, pastor, that's me today. I need that prayer. I need a new start. I need to come back to God. I need some forgiveness. Well, no one's looking around. Quickly, give me a wave of your hand because I want to say a quick prayer and then I promise I'm handing back to Pastor Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Thank you, my beautiful. God bless you, darling. Who else is there? Thank you. Who else is there? Quickly, raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need a new start. I need some forgiveness. I need some stuff broken. I need some secrets no longer developing and overwhelming me. I need them brought into the light. Is there a safe place? Yes, there is. It's called the house of the living God. Is there a safe person I can trust? Yes, you can. His name is Jesus. Yeshua ben Elohim. You can come to Jesus and he will not judge, but he will completely destroy. Heavenly Father, those that raise their hands, come on, let's all say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, on Father's Day, we are so grateful that you are our Father. We surrender our heart, mind, soul, and strength over to you. Jesus, come into our heart. Forgive our sin. Wash me clean with your precious blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
I thank you that today I am your child. Every hold of the devil is broken off my life. I am forgiven, clean, and free. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.